0: Recorded live at Talks and Tasting Studios, it's the Clerical Heirs Podcast. The podcast that shows you what's behind the collar. Let's go. From the Talks and Tasting Studios, this is the Clerical Heirs Podcast. The show that shows you what's behind the collar. All right, you didn't have that, you have to look that up, did you? Nope. All right. (laughs) Berg was supposed to be with us, but uh, he has fallen ill. He said, I'm throwing up. Can we reschedule? And I just thought I there's a part of me that wanted. I thought it would be an amazing show.
1: <laughs> I mean, like make him bring his microphone with him to the right.
0: Bathroom? Right. I mean, what other confessional Lutheran podcast does that kind of thing? <laughs> <laughs> Not many. So how you doing, Pete? Good. Yeah, I'm doing good. I am. I am ready for vacation. Sort of. It's always these last minute things, but I'm ready to go. I've got to say goodbye to the wellness center, the, the freak factory tomorrow. Uh so that I'm beach ready. So yep. I, I worry I worry about that place too when I leave. Is it gonna something gonna happen to it, you know, without the pillar of the freak factory?
2: Their daily numbers will go down for sure.
1: <laughs> By at least one.
0: <laughs> and we'll go I'm gonna see as of recording this, I will have visited you, Peter, down in Kansas That's right. City. And then uh, as you're hearing this, I will not be wearing a shirt. So it'll be glorious.
2: You'll at least be off the plane though, right?
0: (laughs) (laughs) We'll we'll, we'll, we'll see. (laughs) Yes, I'll be off the plane. So uh, I've noticed too that the people here are actually excited for me. Have you noticed that? Yep. That they're like, oh, have fun. So, yeah, they're, where are you going? They're just very excited about it, which is kind of cool to see. They want to see me have ever relaxing time. So, I feel like when I go, I have
2: everybody with me. <laughs> you just forgot to tell all the older folks to behave while you're gone. Yeah. You know?
0: Don't die.
2: <laughs> Same rules apply as Holy Week and Advent.
0: Uh, right. I am nervous about going to Kansas City, though. <laughs> the curse. Will it continue?
2: The, will the curse
0: continue? It's, like, uncanny.
1: Have yeah. we mentioned that on the podcast? I think we have. Yeah. What happens every time you go to Kansas City?
0: Uh, sometimes one, at least two. Sometimes, usually one, at least two, sometimes three people die. <laughs> <clears throat> I remember one time, Bird was on vacation too, but he was further away. And so I'm in Kansas City. I had one of my members die. He has two members die. <laughs> and i wow. in Kansas City. <laughs> so, Yeah.
2: Well, I, I have the paperwork for f- helping with funeral planning. Mm-hmm. I went over that with Stephanie again, too. And uh, you have somebody on retainer, right? Uh, need to do a I left serv- a message for him. So, so yeah, he knows about basically. it. Basically. <laughs> pretty I, and pretty I, much. And I could call him, too.
0: <laughs>
1: I, th- I think the I s- inner workings of pastors working together, um, as the producer of the show, does not surprise me at all. <laughs>
0: Do you know what happened? This is this has truly happened. Okay, one time I was uh, just mining on my own business, right? And uh, I get a call from from uh, a local pastor. Hey, can you cover for me? I'm gonna be gone for a week and a half. Sure. I get a call from another local pastor. Hey, I'm gonna be gone for about a week and a half. I literally was the only pastor in the circuit. <laughs> wow.
2: Everybody else was gone.
0: <laughs> yeah. So. So it goes. I can take a vacation now and again. Leisure. Leisure. So, uh, Burr or uh, Perg, <laughs> I just added like 30 points to your IQ score. <laughs> 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 just kidding. <laughs> no, seriously. <laughs> so, Vicar, uh, what are you preaching on while
2: I'm gone? Or what are you drinking first? Well, first things first, right? Yeah. I've got a Shiner Tex Hex Bruja Brew IPA, India Pale Ale. It looks good.
0: That's a lot of words for a beer. <laughs> It's like it's trying to convince you it's good. How many words are on that?
2: Oh, six, seven. It's eight. like
0: it's like a that beer is like contemporary worship in a way, right? hmm A lot of words, you got to sell it. A lot of bright colors. A picture. A picture, yeah, yeah. right? Yep. It says, yes, see, look, we relate to the average beer drinker. This is for people, you know, we want to appeal to people who may not like beer. And so maybe they could come and they can, you know... Uh, for someone who may not like beer, but we want to get them interested in beer, we have a lot of bright colors,
2: a lot of fancy words. Us- Usually, you just don't use an IPA to draw them in because it's yeah. I was going to say an IPA beers. is
1: maybe not the <laughs> best choice for the first beer draw-in stage.
2: No, it's only for the professionals.
1: Well, see, see, this is why this is what
0: happens. This is exactly that's a good point, gentlemen. This is what this is the the what happens in the Missouri Synod, right? As I relax, getting into vacation mode, right? Well, we want it, we want it to relate to everybody, right? But it's going to be a little meaty. <laughs> so it's going to be a little awkward. It's not going to go real smooth. But it's pro- I'm guessing, okay, it says IPA, but I bet you it's a watered-down IPA.
2: No, it's a good one. <clears throat> but it's got citrus in it. Cactus? They, they all have a little bit of citrus to it. The hops are citrusy. Okay.
0: All right. And here I'm. I'm. It's probably perfectly fine beer. I'm just being salty, as I enjoy my ice cold fresca. It's becoming traditional for me to have a fresca. I don't know. What was my? I hear, ther- I hear
1: you like a good fresca now and again. That's one of my theories.
0: Yeah. It's
2: I, almost as if I enjoy there's one real those. fruit in it. You notice that?
0: <laughs> Even the name sounds refreshing, right? Fresca. It's like you just like you just open it. Fresca.
2: Uno mas, fresca. <laughs>
1: Am I on vacation mode, Peter? <laughs> I think so. I myself uh, just got done with a long day of work, and my brain was fried, so I have brain power. I got my uh, sneak energy powder. Stealth flavor, whatever that means.
0: That'll that'll creep up on you. <laughs> How was it? Stealthy? It's good.
1: It's good. Yeah. It's my favorite flavor, I think.
0: So, Vicar, what are you preaching on while I'm gone
2: (laughs) on the uh, 22nd? You know, roll of the dice. We'll see. (laughs) (laughs) The sixth Sunday of Easter. The text is John 16, uh, 23 to 33. Shall I read it? Yeah, go for it. In that day, you will ask nothing of me. Truly, truly, I say to you, whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he will give it to you. Until now, you have asked nothing in my name. Ask, and you will receive, that your joy may be full. I have said these things to you in figures of speech. The hour is coming when I will no longer speak to you in figures of speech, but will tell you plainly about the Father. In that day you will ask in my name, and I do not say that you, I do not say to you that I will ask the Father on your behalf. For the Father himself loves you, because you have loved me, and have believed that I came from God. I came from the Father and have come into the world, and now I am leaving the world and going to the Father. His disciples said, Ah, now you are speaking plainly and not using figurative speech. Now we know that you know all things and do not need anyone to question you. This is why we believe that you came from God. Jesus answered them, Do you now believe? Behold, the hour is coming. Indeed, it has come when you will be scattered, each to his own home, and will leave me alone. Yet I am not alone, for the Father is with me. I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation. But take heart, I have overcome the world. All right. So, by the way, I love I love the, how Jesus here
0: teaches hermeneutics. How does Jesus teach hermeneutics?
2: I think you'll have to
1: tell me. I'll have to tell you? Can you tell us, can you first, can you tell us what hermeneutics is?
0: Vicar, do you know, hermeneutics is really a a way of, when you have scripture interpreting scripture, right? Mm -hmm. There are certain principles that you have to have so that you interpret it properly, okay? One of these, and, and this is actually a big one, and especially in... In our own country, surprisingly, as people get carried off into Revelation and Daniel and all these things, there's a hermeneutical principle of you use a clearer passages of scriptures to understand the more difficult ones. Right. So if you have, for example, a passage in Revelation that's very difficult to understand, you don't say, okay... I'm gonna use uh, this passage in Revelation to base our the hallmarks of our theology. Why? Because it's confusing. <laughs> yeah. Right? Difficult you to You use the clear passages of Scripture to help you understand the ones you don't understand. So if there's a passage you don't understand or that's confusing, you say, but lo and behold, it says it more clearly here so, however, I'm interpreting Revelation or a parable or a psalm or uh, a prophetic writing in the Old Testament. I'm going to use the clear words of Scripture to help me understand those. So that, that isn't because there's a lot of a lot of kooky ideas that people have from all sorts of different denominations, where they love quoting Daniel and they love quoting
2: Revelation. Why? End times. Right. Everybody wants to know, how is it going to all go down? Right, and it's confusing,
0: and it's hard to understand. Revelation isn't necessarily clear words all the time. There are lots of clear parts in it, but you don't say, okay, we're going to base everything on Revelation, because that would be—you use the clear words of Scripture to understand it. So that is, I think, he's kind of talking that way. He said, okay, now, I I gave you a lot of figures of speech here, and now I'm going to tell you— Plainly. And when they would write it down, then I'm sure it all made a little more sense.
2: I almost wonder if they already had a couple cups of wine when they say, ah, now you are speaking plainly and not using figurative speech.
0: Vicar, I was wondering, what was the Greek for ah? I'd have to
2: look.
0: You'll have to look it up. What's ah in Greek?
2: Ah. (laughs) By the way, what was the uh, hermeneutical? Part that you were thinking from this text this I just told you vicar which scripture though did it remind you of revelation or
0: yeah I, I I think generally the um scriptural how you look at scripture in particular how you you allow scripture to interpret scripture
2: so the word they use is i day, more of behold, you know oh okay. Okay. But for whatever reason the ESV transfer translates it ah.
0: ah <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I don't know because is that you know I think I think ah is it's like a physical I don't know if that right. that's a good translation.
2: And then they put an exclamation mark at the end of it. Oh. You well, know, you know punctuation's not divinely inspired, but maybe Mr. International version
0: Uh, was a dentist. (laughs) No, that's the ESV. This is a great episode. Ah, it's fresco's good. So, uh, here, uh, where are you you taking this, Vicar? Well, I kind of know,
2: but I want to hear it from from the Vicar's mouth. The the way it works with the other texts carries the theme of prayer. Mm -hmm. Praying, and this one, obviously, praying in my name. And you certainly can talk about what it what it means to be in his name, we're in his name from baptism or since baptism. But I also bring up that Jesus is not a genie and God is not a vending machine. So you just adding his name to the end of any prayer doesn't, it's not a magic formula that anybody can do. Mm -hmm. That's not what he's saying. And I think there was even people wasn't there that were trying to heal and cast out demons in his name that weren't even believers. Cause they heard it worked. That's not in the sermon, but it' something mm-hmm. I'm remembering. But I, I want to tie this into uh, praying in faith that you're not just asking for whatever you want. You're praying also for the things that others need. Intercession, because the the epistle that uh, goes with it in First Timothy two one to six, Paul talks about what to pray about. He says, first of all, then I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for all people. And even gives an example for kings and all who are in high positions that we may lead peaceful and quiet, godly and dignified lives. So part of our audience on that Sunday is going to be our graduating high schoolers. Mm -hmm. And so I want to kind of relate this to their life too, that this is a gift Jesus gives us to continue throughout our life. I mean, he says we're going to have tribulation, mm-hmm. but we can pray, and we can ask in his name.
0: And I wonder, too, perhaps, if you can tell what you think, this has kind of an apostolic sense of it, too. You have the working mm-hmm. of the Father and the Son, and then the Son also being with them. And uh, you have uh, John chapter 20, whenever, whatever, you know, forgive sins.
2: Uh, the Office of the Keys.
0: Office yeah. of the Keys, the name of God, asking in the name, you forgive in the name, you baptize in the name, and so I wonder if this has also, I think, has some of those overtones, because he's saying, you haven't asked yet, well, however, the time is coming when, right. when, uh, in a sense, in my name you will forgive sins, in your, my name you will open the kingdom of heaven, in my name you will teach uh, my prayer that I give you, that... Uh, um, that there is a—and uh, if you think of the Lord's Prayer, uh, when you pray in the name of God and the, and, and according to the Father, it, it includes all those things—forgiveness, deliverance from evil. And, you know, the Lord's Supper is the name of Christ, given in body and blood for the forgiveness of sins. So
2: I wonder if that aspect uh, plays a role in this, too. You could go on and on and make this a whole sermon about the name, but I, I'm kind of— that's that, yeah, yeah. I mean, they, that's why you
0: you preach something yeah. every year because, like a text like this, there's so many things right. you can preach on. And the text after that was a lot you can preach on. So
2: yeah they they all have this sense of work of the Holy Spirit in the life of God's people. But all the gospel with,
0: readings here, though, they come from about the same section of Scripture too.
2: So yeah. if you miss something, but between Easter and Pentecost, that's what you have is right. And uh, the Old Testament is the reading from Numbers chapter 21 about the bronze serpents that, mm-hmm. that he put up on on a stick for the, the children of Israel to look at and be healed, if they believed, right? Mm-hmm. What's
0: the... Uh, do you have the, the collect of the day
2: for that? I do, but I switched it with the week before because they kind of went better that way. Okay, what's the one that was assigned? The one that's assigned is this. O God, the giver of all that is good, by your holy inspiration, grant that we may think those things that are right, and by your merciful guiding, accomplish them through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit. One God, now and forever. Okay. The one before that is this. O God, you make the minds of your faithful to be of one will. Grant that we may love what you have commanded and desire what you promise that among the many changes of this world, our hearts may be fixed where true joys are found through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, etc. So this talks about the joy, and in this text, Jesus does as well, um, You know that your joy may be full. And uh, the thing was that in the Old Testament, the children of Israel were grumbling, and Moses prayed and interceded for them, and then God granted a way for them to be healed in faith. All right. So so
0: I, I've got a. as we move on, because I'm losing focus.
2: And there's no AC in this room, I don't think. No, it's no. It's starting
0: to get warm. Man smell. Maybe you need some more of your citrus IPA uh, colorful <laughs> flavor. Ah. So uh, I want to start a new segment. I just caught up uh, like an idea of what I want it to be because I'm kind of spitballing this episode. Hope you don't mind. <laughs> All right? So uh, I am going to call this this episode um, where I'm going to take the right side and you're going to take the wrong side. Okay. All right? Now, the listener, what you're going to have to do here is, because doesn't has no idea what's going on. So what you're going to have to do is you make sure you don't just take splices of what Vicar says and then send it to the seminary because if you take what he says out of context, it could mean trouble for him. Right? If you have I a, see
1: how you've chosen to do it this way and not the other way around.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, <laughs> would you like to do it the other way around? No.
2: No,
1: that's all right.
0: <laughs> see, you could, I mean, it works natural for me to be like the, the jester, right? Right. Right. But, but uh This is what I I thought. um, uh, Can we put some music behind an intro or something? Uh, Sure. Do an
1: intro right now. Uh, Here we go.
0: Hey, there's a right side and there's a wrong side. Today, we're going to find out what the right side is and the wrong side. I will be Pastor Bullhagen, the right side. Vicar will be the wrong side.
1: Wonderful music, Peter. Let's go. What's I asked for an intro, and you like explained the whole thing again. You know what? Whatever.
0: So, uh, I want to talk a little uh, of uh, creation because uh, I, I just figured this was the kind of a discussion that's that I I often wind up having with people that is very very effective in helping understand why why it's important. Okay. Okay. All right. So uh, I am going to be on the side of God creating everything. <laughs> Okay, and you are going to be on the side of God not creating everything. Good luck, vicar.
2: You want to switch? Trust the science.
0: <laughs> All right. So, uh, so wrong side. Do you think this is an impo- even an important discussion?
2: Well, I think that the data speaks for itself. So, I trust the data.
0: You trust the data? Well, what what does that data say?
2: Well, obviously, it says that everything evolved over millions and millions of years.
0: Yeah, and and I'm guessing you would probably also say besides here we are right now, why on earth does it even matter? Is that what you're thinking?
2: Pretty much. I mean, it's we're all here. Be...
0: How we got here, yeah. So, so since you you follow the science, all right? And you trust the numbers. Okay, Vicker. Uh Mr. Wrongside. Um <laughs> This is, by the way, this is perfectly natural because we're used to this, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so, 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 uh, Mr. Wrongside, all right. So, you think it's more believable that evolution got here, right? Yeah. Uh, because, uh, according to to your wrong side, uh, we came here from some sort of uh what do they call it, primordial ooze? Wow,
2: well, it's microorganisms that evolved, you know, into... I'm sure there was a, a status where it was oozed for a while, but it, it grew and over time.
0: Okay. Alright. See, my biggest thing is, even if you believe that position, how do you explain how that cell, that living cell from which we came, ever got there?
2: Well, have you ever watched, like, the life of a frog? First you got that little ooze of cells... You've got the eggs, and then within a few days, it evolves and grows a tail, right? Once uh, it's in its habitat a little bit, it senses what it needs and it evolves a little more and it grows some legs.
0: Okay, but but I, I'm talking about like that first cell, like from which we all came. Sure, supposedly, that plants and animals, right that, that somehow, like in, in, on this earth, and I know you believe this because you think that if we find water on Mars, obviously we'll find life there too. Pretty much, don't you think? There's a good chance. There's a good chance. Yeah, I figured. So, so uh, how on earth did that cell come together? I mean, because we can, we can uh, if we got the all of our scientists together, right? All the people you love, right? Sure. And we got them all in a room. We said, okay, here are the chemicals. We want you, we are, here's a... And and really, you can't really say proteins because proteins don't just exist outside of life. Even there, what does DNA do? It makes proteins, right? Right. So even like the DNA, the guts of it, the insides of it, right? So we're going to give you all the chemicals. We want you to take those from whatever you think was in that ooze and and somehow make a cell that is alive and can reproduce. How would you go about that?
2: Well, I'm not a scientist, but I know they grow stuff in a Petri dish all the time.
0: Yeah, but they, they take something that was already alive and already producing, and they say, here, here's some food, reproduce some more. But they don't just take like carbon and oxygen and and those things and say okay it's carbon dioxide and all right here's a cell.
2: They can't do that, can they? I don't know for sure but I I know they grow things in labs all the time. So so you have no idea. No. No, no. So you, well how do you think it all happened?
0: Well, I'm I'm still working on how it didn't happen. All right? So let's say uh um uh for example, you've heard the deck of cards, right? Like what are the chances that you would randomly shuffle fifty-two cards and get them in the right order? Right? I know you've you t- taken statistics in engineering school, right? Yes. <laughs> yeah. I figured as much. So you obviously know that to get the fifty-two cards in the right order. You have a 1 in 52 chance of getting the first card right.
2: Right. Right.
0: What are, what are the chances you get the second card right?
2: Another 1 in 51?
0: That's right. 1 in 51. So what are the, according to probability, what do you have to do to get, what's the probability of getting the first two cards right? You multiply 52 by 51. Right. And whatever that number is, I think it's probably, what, 2,500 and some, right? That's the chance. So if that many people do it by probability, only one out of 200 and some will get it right. Okay. Right? So you shuffle the same card. And what are the probability of getting the first three right? You multiply that by 50, mm-hmm. right?
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, so that which is, you want to get your calculator out? Sure.
2: You said three times 50?
0: Uh, uh, 52 times 50 times 51. Or 52, 51 times 50.
2: 52 times 51 times 50? 50. Mm-hmm. 132,600.
0: All right. So that's to get the first three cards right. That's the probability of getting the first three cards right. How about the first four cards right? What do you multiply that by?
2: 49? 6,497,400. Okay.
0: So, so... And you see where this is going, don't you? Right. right. So we think that, oh, you have a bunch of, a room full of cards. You just randomly, 52 cards coming together in the right order would be actually quite rare. Right? Right. Right. So what are the chances if we have a living cell that we cannot actually make? We can alter, we can take DNA from one or the other, but we can't make a DNA. Even when we talk about making a virus, what do they do? They take existing cell mechanisms to make a vaccine and replicate it. It always has to come from life in some way.
2: Well, I mean, if what if this life started somewhere else and it's just a big you know, space rock that hit this planet and then, boom, you've got all these little pieces spread around with... Little splats of life on it. I mean, surely over well, I mean, millions that, of years it could. Well, and the question asks, where does a splat of life come from? Whatever planets have life out there. We just haven't found them all yet. They are growing plants in little cups of moon dirt right now. Peter, do you see that somewhere yet?
1: No, I didn't see that.
2: They have, from the different Apollo missions, moon dirt, mm-hmm. and they're planting stuff in it and growing stuff out of it right now.
1: Okay, that's kind of cool.
2: It is. That doesn't prove anything, though, because if, because
0: even if an asteroid comes and hits the Earth and changes things, does it organize it? Does it take things and and make it in a way? Because it's going back to the, if we can't even randomly get a deck of cards in order, how can we get all those things together to make for a uh, randomly a living cell? To come out of a mud pile that can reproduce. It's like saying, uh, like taking our studio here and taking some some wire and some mesh and uh, some circuit boards and some uh, a Pentium chip because we have nothing but the finest uh, computer hardware, and just putting in a giant box and then shaking it till we get a state of the art podcast studio. I mean. That doesn't make sense, does it?
2: No, it would take probably millions of years for them to fall into place. <laughs>
0: right. Right. So, so, you know, your side, Vicar, I'm getting mad at you for <laughs> believing this, but your side uh, says that to believe that God created everything is, uh, is a faith when... I think your side actually takes more faith. I mean, your side takes faith in what human beings think that they know. And as we've seen, we don't know as much as we think we do. We don't know much as much about—I mean, to say that a living cell can create on its own when we still don't understand the coronavirus— Okay, somehow we're supposed to believe, Vicar, and I'm I'm ashamed to even have this discussion with you, to think that somehow a living cell could come out that way, like organize itself and reproduce when we it's more complicated than we understand. So at some point then, don't you think, because the com- complexity of a living cell, and I'm not even saying some sort of a Deistic evolution. I'm just attacking evolution from the very beginning of it. Okay. But, but, uh, uh, at some point, even if that's the case, which I think obviously we, God created us in six days, even if that's the case, you have to at some point say that there is a God who created us or designed
2: life, wouldn't you? Well, sometimes you, if you're not an expert yourself, you just have to. Have faith in the experts and trust that they know what they're doing. Oh. <laughs> you don't sound convinced of
0: yourself. I have faith. All right. So so if that's the case, if, by the way, okay, so let's talk about, and one of the ones that you might hear, maybe you've heard this one or not, is you think of the eye. Have you thought about your eyes before?
2: Not too often.
0: Like, all the things that have to happen to go right for you, you to be able to see.
2: Not as often as you
0: think about your calves. That's true. I mean, you look at my calves and you know God exists. <laughs>
2: <laughs> but you've, you've learned with your calves that it just takes time, right? For things to change.
0: Yeah. It, you know what it takes? It takes time and I have to eat protein. Right, I have to eat former life to build these calves.
2: So you're creating
0: them, you're the creator. No, because it uses DNA that takes those substances and maneuvers that protein to configure in its specific way. Now, so let's go to back to your eye, right? Think of all the things that make your eyes work, right? Like what, what kind of things do you need for your eye to work? What happens if you don't produce tears? They dry up. Your eyes would dry up. What happens if uh, you don't have a cell, like a nerve cell that sends a signal from your eye to your brain? And what happens if you don't, it's kind of like you don't have that video card in your head to process that into information. And what happens if you don't have a reflex in your eye? What would happen by the time you're three weeks old? You'd gouge your eyes out. (laughs) Right. Uh, you have to have cells that are clear that you can see through. You have to have little muscles in your eye that like that, uh, keep you from bl- getting blinded. And you have to have cells that take light and then transform it into elect- electrical signal
2: for your bay- brain to comprehend, right? Right? Right, which, I mean, they evolve that way because we're out in the light but and we need to see. But what about those creatures that live in a cave that... Evolve without eyes, because they don't need to see.
0: Well, who's to say they weren't
2: created that way? Because they have some of the same species that don't live in caves that have eyes. So,
0: I don't understand. Explain yourself. (laughs) I
2: don't know. Little swimming crab things that, because they live in the caves, they don't need to see. They live in darkness. So, they... Didn't evolve eyes, but well, they... usually
0: they they had eyes according to evolution, and then they stopped working or something. But I want you to think about that, okay? So, if evolution says we got here by a, a s- multiple series of um, mutations by which the ones that benefited us, the species, and they would survive, and and make us better. So you'll say you say somehow we as creatures evolve from not seeing creatures to. Seeing creatures, how can you have such a complex part of the body where everything has to work together? Because because if you look at evolution, right, they talk about it by as way of saying, okay, from this point, uh, from this point in life, as though it's headed off to a further more complicated design, as though the creature randomly is looking ahead to form an eye someday. So I'm going to create the right nerves, I'm going to have some of the right cells, and it's it's working towards the goal of being able to see as though that eye and that organism understands what's going to happen in the future, which doesn't make sense. For a lot of these complex systems, the only way for it to make sense is if all of those mutations or many of them happened at the same time,
2: right? You with me? Yeah, but... To your argument, I mean, animals have instinct to look ahead, you know, birds migrate south. But this is this is
0: generation, generation, generation. So as though as though a mutation understands what's gonna happen in the next five thousand years. So to me, I think this kind of shows this in this complexity that if all these, a lot of these mutations kind of to make sense have to happen at the same time, then what is the likelihood of these happening? Not very much, not, I don't think very much.
2: I think it's more of in terms of a response to their environment, you know, like a dog sheds their winter coat when it gets warm out. And if you move that same dog to a tropical climate for the rest of its life, it's never going to grow a winter coat again. And maybe it's, Puppies won't either.
0: Well, that, that's an interesting point because when you, you talk about uh, a diversity in a species, uh, actually what you're doing is you're, you're taking out genetic information, not adding to it. So, for example, think of all the variety of dogs. Dogs are do- domesticated, what, wolves? Right? Sure. Yeah. Right? And uh, um, and so is if you look at all the various dogs that came from wolves— Right? so you do do things like, well, we want our dog to these these domesticated dogs to have curly hair. So we're gonna take the generation that has curlier hair and we're gonna take the other ones that curly hair until all their they all have curly hair. Right? So that's so you could have a poodle. Are you adding genetic information from the wolves to make a curly hair, or are you more specifying uh the genetic material so it's in a sense, more streamlined to diverse that species. You're actually eliminating genetic data rather than adding to it. You with me? Sure. So you could have all sorts of different dogs with big and small, a chihuahua. You could have, uh, uh, I don't know dogs super well. And you can know you can all these various varieties, but actually what you're doing is you're taking information out, which is why, by the way, Uh, If you have a purebred dog, like what kind of your dog do you have? American boxer. American boxer, right? So you take a purebred American boxer, they must always have stellar health, right? Yeah. Right? Yeah. Do they?
2: No, they're prone to skin conditions and tumors and yeah.
0: Why? Because their genetic code has less diversified their genetic code has been narrowed down to fit a particular mold. You took out genetic information and you kept only some, so those characteristics. So you might say, well, how could, see, look at the variety of dogs. That is proof of evolution. We, in a sense, forced evolution. We bred all these things to have all these diversified animals, but that's not really what happened. You actually eliminated genetic material and you, you narrowed it down. So, so that's all getting to the point that I believe is you put this all together, even the ridiculousness of a living cell that can reproduce forming in a mud puddle, or the idea that somehow evolution understood and we designed us. At some point, you're going to have to say, which they say is anti-science, but it's actually looking at the evidence. I believe that ultimately the fact that you are alive means that you have a creator and if that means that you have a creator that means you have a creator who created you for a specific reason and purpose right? and if you're created for a specific reason and a purpose then don't you think that creator
2: can decide what is right and wrong it works with government (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Here's what I mean by that. If they're paying the bill, they get to set the rules, right? Mm-hmm. For construction is one example. Mm-hmm.
0: So who's paid the bill? What are you asserting here? Like if, if talking about making the rules. Mm-hmm. Well, if, if we have a creator, is he kind of the ultimate paying the bills? I mean, we do all the work, right? Did we? Did we do the work in, in inventing DNA? No, but we feed the DNA. We keep eating and- <laughs> Breathing and. But I, I thought you, your side thought that humanity was actually the problem. <laughs> Anyways, so so if then you can kind of admit that there's a creator, that we are created reason and purpose, and he as a creator can decide what is right or wrong, don't you think he's going to somehow
2: allow us to know what that is? And reveal that to us? Maybe. Maybe Mother Earth is trying to tell us something with all the climate change.
0: (laughs) Yeah, see, see, that's what your side does, right? We don't believe in God, but we're just going to call it Mother Earth as though Earth has a personality. See what you do? You just take science and you just, or you take your ideas and you want to believe in a God. You really kind of want to, but you're afraid that if there's a God, then I'm a sinner and there's right and wrong and I'm in deep trouble. But you, and because you can't prove anything, even though I kind of talked about how the fact that you're even alive is proof that there's a creator and a god so so the fact that you're alive is you're created for a reason and a purpose and there's a right and a wrong and so if there's sin and and uh, and then there you have to answer that and he's going to reveal that to you somehow in the bible which i would
2: i would submit to you that it is the bible but isn't some of that just kind of survival of the fittest? Survival of the fittest? Yeah, you know, animals will eat each other, right? Or compete for life. Isn't that just what we're doing?
0: Well, I suppose if you want to say survival of the fittest, I would say that, uh, that uh, then uh, I always wondered this. Why are those people who so believe in evolution gets so upset when an animal goes extinct because it's just what they believe at work, isn't it? They get, they, we believe in evolution. They get so sad when it... Put it...
2: Because Mother Earth is losing her children.
0: <laughs> so... So, uh, where, where was I? You got me distracted.
2: <laughs> Sin. Rules.
0: Right and wrong.
2: Right and wrong.
0: Right? And and so I believe that because of this, God revealed Himself. He gave us scripture. He reveals to us what is right and wrong. Well he
2: or she, we don't know the pronouns.
0: We do know the pronouns. Right? Because if you read the Bible, you know, don't you have don't you believe that everyone should have the right to choose their own pronouns?
2: <laughs> sure.
0: Yeah, you know a little Greek and Hebrew, right? A little. <laughs> what pronouns did Jesus use? Bless you. Thank you. I mean... <laughs> he just blessed you by the name of Mother Earth. So, <laughs> so where are we going? Okay, I think that's enough of this discussion. Yeah. You, so let's, uh, let's parse this up. What do you okay. think of
2: this discussion? <clears throat> I think you would have to be able to argue at their level from science to defeat them cuz the the terms of the gospel are nonsense and a stumbling block to them cuz they don't have the holy spirit to help them believe.
0: Right. Right. And and ultimately I would say is this is at least to to get people to think about it, right. but I'm trying to get them to in a sense listen to scripture with an open ear. Right to kind of remove the blocks
2: from it. You know what's also an effective argument? We don't have, for things like the fossil record, we don't have fossils of things in progress of evolving, right? Like a monkey, a person that's still has their tail, for example, right? Somebody, something that evolved from a monkey to a human, but still has attributes of a monkey. Mm-hmm. They, there's no fossil records to show evolution. In fact, they would argue against it. They would prove against it.
0: Yeah, Peter, what did you think of the discussion? I, you've heard it before.
1: Yeah, I, I don't, I don't know. I think it's it's hard to try and play the devil's advocate if yeah, you're not it in it. That's
0: yeah, that's true.
1: I think right. maybe someday you guys need to do this again and actually have somebody in. right? Like Bill
2: Nye, the science
1: guy? Well, because you don't... I don't want either side to be, like, a professional arguer. You know what I mean? Right. Like, Bill Nye would show up, and even if you're right, he would, like, decimate you in a court of public op- opinion, because that's what he does.
0: That's true. But I, I, I guess what I found is... Is to, like, if I'm teaching this to confirmation kids, some of these ideas, which I I taught them to your daughter, Mm -hmm. right, where, and they're they're actually, because they are listening with an open ear, they're not just there to refute me, that they actually, it helps them digest some of these questions
2: that they struggle with. Because I think
0: everyone struggles with these type of questions.
2: Well, and the wrong side... You know, that argument has been done between the owner of the Creation Museum in Ark Encounter and Bill Nye. Mm -hmm. What happens is those science-type people get frustrated and argue childishly, and they break the rules of debate. They can't stand long enough to really refute it because the, the truth actually does overwhelm The lack of right, and I
0: would say this: the the, the, there can be a problem with the, the creation side where you feel you have to explain everything, right? You know, because are there some things I don't understand that I can't explain? Certainly, right? Certainly, but but to say that uh, this is unequivocally the right way from the science, you can't say that either, and 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 from the point of faith, is is for me to to understand and explain that
2: it's not ridiculous to believe what the bible says. Well, the and like you pointed out, it takes more faith to believe the science because they don't have all the answers. Because it's constantly changing. Right. And and everybody's only an expert in one area because there's so many areas involved. Areas of expertise. Mm-hmm. You know, you might have somebody that can talk about the uh, nervous system, but somebody else that can talk about the muscular system or the skeletal system or the, the skin, you know, and then and, and but they all work together. Was your point mm-hmm. seamlessly, but they only are experts in their own field and right.
0: You, this I, I you know how many times I talk to an elderly person where they say, they're they have a heart issue and then they have uh, a skin issue and then they have a, a digestive issue and a bone issue and. And they just get lost in the mix because one doctor is trying to fix another, and it right. messes up the treatment for another. And
2: the medicines don't work together, th- yeah, and and they, or they counteract each other. And wasn't somebody lamenting that they used to have a team of doctors that would work together, and now it's just you, they just shuffle you. to And, specialists
0: the, and, and yeah, and, and the specialists don't always communicate, what, and it's just a mess because the human body is pretty complicated. You
2: know what that sounds like? Governmental agencies trying to work together. <laughs>
0: Well, explain this because actually you have some experience in that in, in construction, don't you?
2: Yeah. So I mean an example would be a a state project with federal funding that is also oversight of local agencies doing the work. Right. Mm-hmm. So picture a road commission under the jurisdiction of the state DOT with federal dollars. <laughs> So right, it's just a big old pyramid of agencies working for each other, and bid- then they hire the lowest bidder contractor to do, do the work. And do they hire the lowest or? Yeah, I do mean, they, they fix. No, normally they hire the lowest bidder. Okay, right? and it's a bid system. But then they wonder why they can't achieve quality because nobody can agree on what quality, the definition of quality, is.
0: Right, because yep. what the federal government says quality is a different maybe than what the state says, right. which could be different what the local people say, hey, we need right. this.
2: The local people say, well, we've been building it this way for 30 years and it's never failed. And the state says, well, our specification requires this and that. And the feds say, well, we're paying for it and we won't pay for it unless it meets this and that requirement. So, I mean, that's one example. But that's how the all industries work now it's just specialists working with each other but trying they they kind of work in isolation at times but uh i think one of one of the people we met said it right he said well i i tested positive for having too many years <laughs> that's my problem
0: <laughs> right i've had too many birthdays <laughs> yeah something like that <laughs> yep yep you're old that's it yep <laughs> well, hopefully you found this interesting. Um, I have no idea what's going to happen for the next episode because I am going to be relaxing.
2: Well, enjoy your trip. You deserved it.
0: All right. So I am Bull Higgin. I'm Vicar. And may your IPA
2: be bitter.
0: Thank you for joining us. This podcast is available on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or wherever else you get your podcasts. Questions, thoughts, concerns? You can contact us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Podcast, On Twitter at P for podcast or email us at feedback at Thanks for listening to Clerical Heirs. See you next time.